Hey, take your Bible tonight. Second Corinthians, if you would bleach. Second Corinthians chapter number three. And we continue our study in the book of Second Corinthians. And it's sure good to see you tonight. Don't forget now, please, um, let's show Brother Franco and our Spanish work that we appreciate what they're doing. And be here on uh, Sunday night for their fifth anniversary. And uh, they're just doing a real good job. And uh, let's, let's just say thank you very much for them. Now, find your place in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. And uh, for the last two or three weeks, the Apostle Paul in chapters 1 and 2 has been defending his ministry. Uh, For some reason or another, somebody in the church at Corinth had began to doubt the Apostle Paul's apostleship. His anointing of the Holy Spirit of God is called to preach the gospel. And Paul is writing to that church defending uh, his apostleship. And tonight, he starts defending the message that he preaches. And uh, if you would please, we'll begin reading. We'll read, read just two or three verses and then we'll go back and we'll, we'll see what they say to our heart. Look at verse number one of chapter number three. Paul says, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifest, declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. I believe that, don't you? Now this, after I begin to study this chapter, I have come to the conclusion that it's probably a key chapter in the New Testament because it shows the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament ministry of the Gospels. Today, there's many religious groups that cannot separate Judaism and the church. Old Testament, New Testament. There's something you need to know about the Old Testament and the New Testament. You cannot rightly interpret the Old Testament apart from Jesus Christ. It's absolutely impossible to separate the two and interpret the Old Testament. Although in the Old Testament you do not see him mentioned by name directly. But just about every page illuminates with a promise of a coming Messiah. And in Isaiah 53, it definitely talks about being bruised and uh, talks about Calvary. Psalms 22 talks about Calvary. Psalms 24 talks about Calvary. All the way through the Bible. And so here Paul is contrasting the two. And uh, what has happened at Corinth, some Judaizers from Jerusalem has made their way to Corinth. And now they're infiltrating the Jewish dogma, the law, and now they're doubting Paul's message of grace. 
Now watch this. It seems that somebody asked for Paul's resume or resume. <laughs> Look at verse 1. Paul said, I hear that maybe from up Jerusalem, there's some folks who have come to you with letters of commendation. In other words, the church at Jerusalem has written them letters of recommendation. And as they go to the churches in the Middle East, those new churches that Paul started, they had letters of commendation. Dr. Fudunk, doctor in psychology. Paul said in verse 1, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Paul said, hey, I've already done this once. <laughs> Why should I tell you folks that who I am and what I am and where I came from do I have to commend myself to you again? After all, I'm the bird that started the church. After all, I'm the guy who came into town when nobody believed and went out soul winning with tears in my eyes and a song in my heart and won you folk to the Lord. Do I need letters from Jerusalem to say he's okay? Do I have to do this again, Paul said? Notice what he said. He said, or need we... As some others, some others already down there with letters, epistles of commendation to you are letters of commendation from you. Today we have what's known as recommendation letters. Uh, you, somebody goes into evangelism or somebody goes to the mission field. Uh, right away they want letters of recommendation from preachers around the country with testimony and with some kind of clout and uh, and so in their brochures they write old Dr. Fudunk has recommended me because I'm such a good guy and if Dr. Fudunk recommends me I must be pretty sharp when I went into evangelism not one guy would recommend me not one of my teachers not one of my friends I asked some of the doctors Ask them if they'd write me a letter of recommendation. And I'd literally raised thousands of dollars and supported the school that I graduated from. They would not, one man, recommend me to the evangelism. And that's the reason I failed after 12 and a half years. Isn't it amazing that in the day in which we live, God's recommendation is not good enough. And the best thing that ever happened to me is when I realized I didn't need man. And God was enough. And Paul is saying, you want letters of recommendation from me? Hey, Lazarus, remember down there behind that beer joint, just outside that cat house? With that needle in your arm. Remember when I've been over down there and I, I showed you the gospel and you got saved and it made a brand new creature out of you. You've not been in the alley ever since. You've been in church. I've got to, I've got to have letters from Jerusalem to you, uh, you ex-junkie. And he goes over here to Lucy Slewfoot and said, Lucy, didn't you used to work for the temple up there on top of the hill. Uh, 
Wasn't you one of those temple prostitutes that came down into Corinth each night? And you remember that night, Lucy, when you tried to hit on me and I started talking to you about Jesus Christ and you got saved. You remember that, Lucy? And your life has changed. Now you've got a family. Now you're living right. Now you're doing right. And you want a letter of recommendation from me. You listen to those nuts from Jerusalem. Those, uh, those Calvinists that never win anybody to Christ. that tells you to keep the law. And you got to act right. And your britches got to be armed right. And uh, they don't wear shorts or run around them at do. Until they go out of town on vacation. Then they wear shorts like everybody else. Lucy, you remember? Paul said, isn't this ridiculous? He said, I have some letters. Paul said, I have some letters. Let me show them to you. Verse 2. Ye, you folks at Corinth, ye are our written epistle or letter written in our hearts, known and read of all men. He says to that Corinthian church, you are the proof of my apostleship. You are the proof of my soul and fervor. You are the proof. You are written epistles, read of men, absolutely proof that I'm who I say I am. I tell you, I, you know, if I could get an Apostle Paul for a meeting, I'd have him for at least one. I don't think we could stand two. But we might warm up to one, right? Look at this now. Are you ready? Verse 3. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistles of the epistle of Christ, man ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Wow. Notice what he said. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall what? Paul said, you and I are God's living letter for all the lost to see. You are God's living letter. Being seen and read of everybody you come into contact with every single day. Paul said the letter that I've written, we did not write on stones. We wrote it in the hearts of prostitutes, whoremongers, sailors, and sinners. That's where the church of Corinth came from. By the way, where did some soul winner find you? By the way, where did some preacher with tears in his eyes and a burden in his heart cry and weep and beg God to save you? I think maybe what we're doing here is Paul, have you ever heard of the word accreditation? The first thing they ask us about our school, are you accredited? Second thing I ask them, with whom? With God, yes, we are accredited. 
Now we're accredited with somebody else. You know what the word accreditation means? It's a big word thrown in the face of parents. It means absolutely nothing. Do you know anybody ever started a college that didn't take an entrance exam? I'm listening. They don't keep records until they get to high school. And the major independent schools, most of them are not accredited. Accreditation. What does that mean? These folks are saying, Paul, you're not accredited. You don't have a letter. In other words, you don't have a doctor in front of your name. The greatest theologian ever to hit the world authored 14 books in the New Testament, set at the feet of Gamal, one of the most intellectual individuals you've ever seen, gifted beyond measure, could take a pen, bless your heart, and, and break a heart as he writes down the inspired word of God. And they want a letter. Give me a break. And Paul said, look, I haven't got time to play your games. Go look in the mirror. You are my epistle. You are the proof that I said I am. You are the proof that God has sent me to this place. You are an epistle. And may I say to you tonight, he compares the old with the new. And he gives us an explanation in verses 1 through 3. You're writing a gospel, a chapter each day. By the deeds you do and by the words you say. Men read what you write, whether faithful or true, just what is the gospel according to you? Oh, how important it is. Moses in the Old Testament and now in the next few verses, Paul not only begins to explain, he begins to uh, give us an exposition of of what he's talking about. And he talks about... uh, Writing letters in the heart and not on stones. Please, if you would, notice something. In the Old Testament, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, remember that? And the Bible says there in Mount Sinai, all alone, just God and Moses, God took the finger of deity and wrote the commandments in stone. Remember that? Now, I don't know if I was at my house tonight and God appeared and began to write on anything. I might be like Belshazzar when out of the midnight of nothing, the hand of God appears and writes on the wall and says, Belshazzar, you've watched your last TV program. Moses comes off that mountain to a sexual orgy going on at the foot of the mountain. The people of God has now turned to an absolute... I'll bet you that's probably a modern-day concert. Hmm? And Moses, in anger, throws those tablets of stone down. Those are the stones that... Paul is referring to writing in stone, referring to the Old Testament law. Tables 
written in our heart referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ. See that? Look at verse 4. The Bible says, and he talks about the difference between my ministry and Moses' ministry. Number one, it's written on hearts, not on stones. Number two, it brings life and not death. Verse 4, the Bible said, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Trust through Christ to Godward. You know how you get to God? Through Christ. The only way you're ever going to find God is through Christ. And Paul said, look at this. I trust and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Notice verse number five. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of a new testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Now watch this. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Those Judaizers gone to Corinth is now propagating and preaching the law. Do, 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 do. Don't, 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 don't. Wrapping them up again in the bondage of rules and regulations. And I know some Baptists that way. You can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, can't do it. And then as soon as they get out of town, they do it. See, a rule. Rule keeping. And, 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 and Paul says to them, now you remember Moses, God wrote it on stones. That's the Old Testament. And the Bible said, the law, notice the letter does what? The letter killeth. Now that's not the letter of the Bible. That's referring to the Old Testament law. And the Old Testament law appeared And when the Old Testament law appeared, it manifests sin. The law showed us that we are sinners. It became a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And it killed us in our sin. It condemned us. But the spirit of the law is the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel and the spirit of the gospel. It does not kill. It gives life. You see that? And that's wonderful. I, I, Paul said, uh, I tell you you, you, you guys that's hanging on Moses' law, uh, you need some tables of stone and you're headed to the graveyard. Thank God I'm saved by grace, through faith. I got life. I like that, don't you? That's why this is a key chapter because it, it, it compares and contrasts law with grace. Notice the law, the letter killeth. Notice verse 7, another, another uh, definition of the law, ministration of death. Notice that describes the law, ministration of death. Notice verse 9, ministration of condemnation. Did you notice that? The law condemns. The law says you're on your way to hell. The law convicts. The law says to me, I'm a sinner. The law says to me, you need a savior. The law says to me, you're condemned. The law is killing. The law is killing. And then one day, all of those sacrifices that they're offering down to to temple, oh, they're pointing toward another one who's coming. 
They're all a type of Jesus Christ. Jew can't see that. A Jew can't see that. If you ain't got it right with Christ, you can't understand the Old Testament. You got that? The Old Testament is a shut book if, you don't, if you're not right in the matter of Christ. Notice if you would please, I tell you, there were teachers who come down and were talking about that. You might jot down Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. And uh, let me read it for you for just a minute. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 talks about the law, if you would please. And it, uh, it kind of lets us know uh, what the law was for. In verse 20, the Bible said, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Hey, did you ever walk up to the mirror in the morning and say, is that me? Did you ever walk up to the mirror, Brother Schultz, and say, you used to have hair? And it just looks like the mirror laughs at you. You know what's wrong? That mirror's telling you the truth. That's what the law did. The law told the truth. And the law condemned every one of us. And by it, we have the knowledge of sin. Take your Bible over to Galatians, would you please? Galatians chapter number three in your Bible. And uh, please let me read that for you. Galatians chapter number three and verse number 24, uh, if you'd allow me, please. I'll give you just a minute to turn there. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Paul's talking about the old and the new. The old written on stones, the new written in the heart. The old written by the hand and finger of God. The new written by the Holy Spirit of God. Not ink, but the precious blood of the Lamb. Look at verse 3, chapter 3, verse 24. Wherefore, the law, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Why did the law show up? It brought us to Christ that we might be justified by our works. No, justified by faith. Now what happens to the law when all that happens? Next verse. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For we are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by works of the law. Not by what we do. That's why everybody in this church ought to get that little book in the, in the bookstore entitled Done. That is a good book. We give it to every visitor. Visit our church. Uh, we try to if they'll go back there and get the book. But that is one of the best clear presentations of what's going on in, in religion and Christianity. That book tells us that there's only two religions in the world, whether they are, whether they're Muslim or whether they're Christian or whether they're Mormons or whether they're Pentecost. There's only two religions in all the world. They can be defined in these words, doing and done. Either you are doing to get saved or Jesus has already done it and it's all done. Every religion in the world can be defined within the realm of those two words. You're either doing and doing and doing to be saved or you have allowed Jesus Christ to do it and it's done. 
And after it's done, you do not need a schoolmaster. When you graduate, you no longer need to be under school teachers. And Paul said, you want me to write you letters of recommendation, you bunch of jugheads? You're trying to go back under the law and preach death. When I come to you preaching life, you want to write on stones when God has written it in your heart. Thirdly, he talks about glory. He talks about glory, lasting glory and not fading glory. Look at verse 7 through 13. And I, 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 might, I might get a lot of argument from some of you theologians now, but please uh, hear me out and give me a little room, okay? Look at verse number 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, you know what that is, that's, that's uh, uh, symbolizing back to the Old Testament when he wrote in, in stones. If that was gracious... Are glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. You remember that? You remember that? Notice this next phrase. Which glory was to be what? Done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Because that one don't fade away. For if the ministration of the condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. In other words, people of Israel could not look at the face of Moses because of the glory that he had experienced by seeing the hinder part of God. Paul said, that glory wasn't none but a flashlight compared to the glory that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. Said, when the Holy Spirit writes on your heart, saved, sealed, and satisfied, and secure. Amen. That is a great big spotlight of glory. Amen. It excels Moses' glory. Now watch this, watch this. This, this is very important. If you would please. And verse now, verse 11. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which is remains is glorious. Seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face. That the children of Israel could not steadfastly look. Let's just stop there a minute. Why did Moses, listen, why did Moses veil his face when he came out before the people so they could not see the glory? And when he went into the God, he took the veil off. Why did God, why did Moses have the veil? Think about this now. Why did Moses veil the glory of God? Why did Moses do that? Was it because the people could not stand to look at the glory? Why did he do that? Look at the last phrase in that verse. Now don't miss this. The last phrase in verse 13. I know you know this. It says that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end 
of that which is abolished. Moses veiled himself so that the people could not see the fading glory. Because as the glory began to fade, Moses' credentials began to fade. And the veil was there to keep the people from doubting Moses' validity and of being with God. Because that glory was to fade away. But there's another glory that is not fading. And Paul is saying, you bunch of Judaizers, you're looking at the wrong glory. You folks are looking at the wrong picture. You're listening to the wrong birds. You're listening to those folks from Jerusalem that's trying to put you back under the bondage of the law. And all of that back in the Old Testament is just a picture of the real thing that Jesus Christ accomplished at Calvary. And how many get sucked back into something else away from the simplicity of the gospel? I got to be baptized to be saved. Lose my salvation if I miss more than three church services. That happens. Everybody at Joshua will be lost in a week. <laughs> Amen. Now listen to me. Glory that does not fade away. I must close. Lasting glory, not fading glory. Have you ever gone to the Old Testament and looked at all the reference to glory? There is, they're just strewn all through the Old Testament. Exodus 16 and 7, you shall see the glory of the Lord. Verse 10 of the same chapter, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. 1 Kings 8 and 11, glory of the Lord had filled the house. Isaiah 6 and 3, the whole earth is full of his glory. But all that glory, according to my Bible, was going to be done away for another glory. And that's the glory of Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And now he's writing on your heart and not on stones. And I wonder if the glory in the Old Testament was noticeable, is your glory noticeable where you go? If those folks at Corinth were the written epistles that left that church and went out into that city. And they were written epistles of Jesus Christ and the power of God and the Holy Spirit in their life. And if they left that place and were written epistles, I just wonder, are we noticeable that we've been with God? The reason Moses' face shined is he'd been with God. The reason he had that veil is because he had been with God. Face to face, eyeball to eyeball. 
And I'm just wondering tonight. Can the glory of the Lord be seen in our life? Look at chapter 4 and verse number 3. With that thought in mind, we're going to close. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lasting glory. Glory that don't fade away. Christianity that don't wear out. Christianity that works at home. Christianity that works on a job. Christianity that's real everywhere they go. Paul said, we are the epistles of Christ written in our hearts, not with ink, but with the very finger of the Holy Spirit. And our glory should not fade. It should be permanent. It should be visible. It should be helpful. Veiled. Paul said, Moses' deal was unveiled. I mean, our deal is unveiled, not veiled. Now, this will be a good, good, uh, a good uh, thing for you to know. Look in these next two verses, verse 14 and 16, and it talks about something, but their minds were blinded. Who's their minds? The folks that Moses dealt with, their minds were binded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ, but even in this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. You want to know why Israel's not being saved? They can't understand it. Take your Bible and read Isaiah 53 to any Jew and see what he tells you. That's talking about the nation of Israel and not Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is a locked book to the Jew. Personally and nationally. Personally, a Jew cannot see Christ in the Old Testament And until you can see Christ in the Old Testament, you cannot interpret the Old Testament. Because Christ unlocks the Old Testament. They are blind judicially. God has blinded them because of their disobedience rebellion against God. And I'll tell you, if God don't do something to the church, you're going to have to apologize to Israel. 
I never seen in my life so many spiritually blind Christians. Absolutely blind to the goodness of God, to the love of God. Blind to the judgment seat of Christ. Blind that God's keeping record. Blind at what's going on. Well, boy, I tell you, I I don't know why my luck has turned so bad. You're what? Man, this coincidence is just getting me down. Co-what? There's no accidents with God. Christian, I want you to know, man, you are being dealt with as with a child. And I, 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 I never seen the beat. Now, no, I'm done. Liberty. Paul said, my ministry deals with liberty. Moses dealt with bondage. Verse 17 and 18. Look at this. And I'm done. Verse 17 and 18. It's a wonderful, wonderful text. I guess if I get in the right book, it'd be a better text. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know if you want to, you can write down consecration there. Consecration. Notice, liberty, not license. The Bible says in verse 17, now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In other words, I don't go back to under the bondage of the law. I'm not under do, 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 or don't, don't, don't. I have the liberty to do what would please God. I do not have a license to participate in sin. I have liberty to now free myself from the bondage of the law and be free in Christ and free to be changed from what I was to what I need to be. Now, how does that happen? Here it is. Last verse. The Bible says, But we are all with open face beholden as in a glass the glory of the Lord. And are, what's the next word? Changed. This book is the glass of God. As you behold this glass, you see how short of the glory you come. This mirror tells you where you are and where you need to be. And as beholden in the glass, we see and we are changed from the glory of man to the glory of Christ by his spirit through his word. You don't read the Bible, there will be no change. You say, oh, I'll reform until you backslide. You like that? The law don't change us. The law schools us. The spirit changes us. You got that? So Paul said, with all of that, You want me to write you a letter of who I am? I don't know what Paul would have said, but there's some phrases we use in America that you could probably 
Think of what Paul might have said to him. You want me to give you letters? That's like uh, the most recent family joined our church. I don't know who it is. They come to my office and say, unless you prove you are who you said you are, we're not listening to you preach. I don't know who the most recent family is, but that's like walking my office and say, show me your credentials. That'd be the best way to find out how to get out of my office. <laughs> my credentials are sitting all around you. My credentials is the air conditioning that you're enjoying. My credentials are the padded pews, clean bathrooms. My credentials is you. That's what Paul was saying. You are my credentials.